0: Hey, this is Rodney Gage. I'm the pastor of Rethink Life Church in Orlando, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages and inspires you to live with a new perspective, make better choices, and have a greater impact with your life. Here is today's message. Well, good morning, Rethink Life. You guys doing good today? Come on, just give Jesus a little shout out this morning, amen? Hey, it's been uh, a great, great morning already, and uh, man, I just love the fact how God uses our worship team to prepare our hearts and to really just set the tone and create the atmosphere for a spirit of expectancy and excitement. Would you do me a favor and just express your love and appreciation to our amazing worship team for just all that they do? Our production team, those that run sound, do lights, and all the things that make it all come together. We appreciate everybody so, so much. It takes teamwork to make the dream work. We're so grateful for our amazing dream team. Well, hey, I'm super excited about today's message. And by the way, if you're visiting with us today, and maybe today's your very first time with us, I just want you to know my name is Rodney Gage. I'm a lead pastor here at Rethink Life. And we really count it an honor that you've chosen to worship with us. And I believe God has something very, very special. In store for your heart today as He wants to speak life and speak hope into you. And I want to invite you, if you would, to join me in a word of prayer as we begin today's message. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the amazing time of worship we've had to come in and just forget about the, the things that's going on in our world and the things that are going on in our week. But God, just for a few moments that we can fix our eyes on You and focus our attention on You, Father. God, today we pray that you would just speak to our hearts, that you would prepare our hearts, help our minds to be alert, help our hearts to be receptive to what you want to accomplish in and through our lives today. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray, amen and amen. Well, today is week three of a series that we've been uh, a part of called Relationship Restart. And I want to begin today with this specific thought. I love this quote that goes like this, if you keep doing the same things you've always done, you'll keep getting the same results you've always what? Gotten. And I think for a lot of us, we've experienced that in many different areas in our lives. But here's what I know to be true. What I know to be true is, is if we keep doing the same things we've always done, yes, we'll keep getting the same results we've always gotten. Therefore, if we don't like the results we're currently getting or the results we perhaps have experienced in the past, it might mean that we need to restart some things. It might mean that we need to to make some adjustments, that there are some changes that we need to apply, not just to our lives, but obviously into our relationships moving forward. In other words, it really does require a new way of thinking when it comes to how we approach our relationships with one another. In fact, we cannot become who we need to be By remaining who we are. So change must happen if we're going to reach our potential in our relationships with one another. And one of the things that we've been learning uh, is we've been learning from the book of Philippians. And if you have your uh, Bibles, you can open them up or you have our app there on your Android or your iPhone. You can follow along there in our app. We have all the notes there provided. Of course, the verses will be behind me. But in Philippians chapter 1, this is very interesting. The Apostle Paul is in a prison cell. Now, you would think this guy would be having the worst day of his life. The worst part of life, you know, would be just spending your life in a prison cell. And yet, Paul the Apostle, he's placed in this prison cell, unfortunately, um, because he was falsely accused by a lot of things. He had been preaching the gospel, so he was arrested. He's uh, in a prison cell, and now he is in this jail cell. He's writing a letter to some people that he greatly loved, deeply loved. They were a group of his fellow brothers and sisters in Christ in a place called Philippi, a city in Greece. It was a church that he had helped start and establish. And so they were fellow partners with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So they were proclaiming and continuing, to, continuing the work of ministry and making a difference there in Philippi. They were a new church and a lot of new believers. And so Paul the Apostle, is writing this thank you letter And as he's expressing his love and his appreciation and his gratitude for these people, one of the things he did in the very first chapter in this entire book known as Philippians, he's talking to them about the subject of joy and the subject of happiness, which is somewhat ironic that he's writing this letter from a prison cell. And yet one of the things that he did as he's writing this thank you note is he's basically sharing some things about relationships because... The thing that he wanted them to understand is that you'll never be happy in life. It doesn't matter how much money you got, how successful you are, it doesn't really matter what you surround yourself with. As far as success is concerned, your life will be miserable if your relationships are miserable. Can I get an amen? I mean, it's just the way it is. I mean, life just doesn't work if relationships are not working in our life. It doesn't matter how much money or how successful you might be. And so in the first 11 verses of Scripture in Philippians chapter 1, in this thank you letter, he is pointing out some specific things that we can do to basically restart our relationships, some new habits that we can form, some new principles that we can apply. And one of the things that's really powerful and awesome is that in these four, excuse me, in these 11 verses, he shares four specific things that we can do in order to build healthy, life giving, successful relationships. And so I'm going to pick it up Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Follow along with me as I read. Paul and Timothy. Servants of Christ Jesus to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. So if you happen to have missed week one, one of the things that we learned was this. In order to have a successful restart in our relationships, it must begin with an attitude of gratitude. Because what did Paul do? He began his note of appreciation by saying, I thank my God every time I think of you. And then last Sunday... We talked about the second thing, and that is in order to restart in our relationships, we not only need to have an attitude of gratitude, but we need to pray positive prayers. What did Paul say? He said, in all of my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. And last Sunday, we talked specifically about four things that we can do as far as praying positive prayers for our family, for our coworkers, for our friendships, to have successful relationships. Well, today we're talking about number three. You ready? Here we go. And that is this. Paul is basically saying in verse 6 that if you want to have a successful relationship, in other words, you want to restart, push the restart button again, do this. He said, expect the best from others. So what we're going to do is we're going to learn how to pull out the best. In other words, bring out the best in the people that we're in relationship with. Here's what he said, verse 6. And we're going to learn three things from this. He said, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. A number of years ago, Michelle and I, we went to an Atlanta Brave spring training baseball game. And I'll never forget, it was a late afternoon uh, start time Therefore, the game, when it ended, it was already nighttime, and uh, so uh, it happened to be ladies' night. So it's kind of an interesting marketing pitch that they put on this particular night, and the reason why it was ladies' night, because it was also a night they had sponsored from a jeweler in town, what they had done that night is they had actually um, put together a contest so, therefore, at the end of the game, when, you know, the ninth inning was done and the game was over, rather than everybody leaving like they normally would, all the ladies stuck around. And here's the reason why. They had buried a one-carat diamond in the infill there in the dirt of the baseball diamond. And the lucky lady who found the diamond got to keep the diamond. So, therefore, there was no ladies that left that night. And so they had like 100% participation. It was amazing. So I'll never forget, Michelle being one of those ladies, um, they invited all the ladies to leave the uh, stadium bleachers and to come out onto the baseball field. And they gave each lady a plastic spoon. And then they instructed them to take those plastic spoons and to go out to the outfield and to stand up, to line up against the, the wall of the outfield near the warning tracks. And so what the instructions were, they basically said, at the sound of the gun, we're going to invite you to run as fast as you can to the infield, and the lady who finds the diamond gets to keep the diamond. Well, the man shoots the gun, the ladies take off, and as they're running as fast as they possibly could into the infield, they all hit the deck, or hit the dirt, I should say, and they started scooping. Man, they were scooping and scooping and scooping and scooping, and it seemed like it took forever. But literally about 20 minutes later, there was a lady who started hollering and screaming and jumping up and down. And then finally, it was pretty apparent and obvious that this woman had found the diamond. And because she found the diamond, she got to keep the diamond. And so there was a moment of celebration and excitement. It was pretty amazing. One of the things that I learned from that experience was this. Out of hundreds of women who were lined up against that wall, and they had those spoons in their hand, and they went running for the infield, and they hit the dirt, and they started scooping and scooping and digging and digging and digging. One of the things that I learned, the takeaway for me was this. There wasn't a single woman in that stadium that night that went looking for the dirt. Instead, they went looking for what? The diamond. And as a result, they were focused on finding the diamond rather than looking for the dirt. And I think one of the challenges sometimes in our relationships is that we put so much time and so much energy and so much effort in digging up the dirt that we forget to find the diamonds and the people in our lives. And so what we got to realize is that, listen, if we're going to reach our potential, if we're going to experience God's best in our relationships, or maybe if we're going to change our approach, then one of the things we need to do is we got to start by helping bring out the best, expect the best from those that we are in relationship with. So there are three things that Paul basically is emphasizing that we need to do in order to become a good finder. Somebody who's looking for the the diamond rather than the dirt in our relationships. And the first thing he tells us we need to do is we need to give confidence to the people in our lives. Here's what he said. He said, being confident of this. What's interesting is that the Apostle Paul expected the best from other people, specifically those that were living in Philippi. And the reason why he expected the best is because he believed in the best when it came to those people. He not only had confidence, but he wanted them to have confidence related to who they were in Christ. He wanted them to have confidence that, listen, that God was going to allow them to reach their true potential, that they were going to grow and they were going to flourish and they they were going to become everything that God intended for them to become. But in order for them to do that, they had to have the confidence and the belief knowing that God was going to do something great in their life. I'm going to tell you something. There's not a person in this room today who has the ability to break old habits, who has the, maybe the ability to make changes in their life, maybe to, to experience something different in their relationships, unless in our attempt in making change or establishing new habits or improving our relationships, listen It's important that we have somebody else who believes in us, someone who is speaking life into us, someone who is giving us confidence in ourselves and in the relationship that, hey, that the best is yet to come. And so we got to understand that, hey, if we're going to thrive and we're going to succeed and become all that God intended for us to be, it begins by having a belief in one another. We need to cheer one another on. We need to speak life and give confidence to one another. Listen, giving confidence to your spouse, giving confidence to your kids, giving confidence to your workers, coworkers. Why? Because when they believe that you believe in them, things change. Why? Because they have a greater sense of confidence because the confidence comes from a greater sense of security. Now, here's the thing. It's much easier to take the little digs, isn't it? It's much easier to criticize. It's much easier to kind of throw cold water or maybe throw a little dirt on someone else when they don't live up to our expectations. Let me tell you something. I've been working with people for a long time. And one truth I've come to realize is this, nagging, negativity, being critical, talking down to people, condemning people, judging people, pointing out their mistakes, highlighting their flaws, magnifying their imperfections. It doesn't motivate anybody to make any changes in their life. As a matter of fact, If anything, what does it do? It devalues that person. It dishonors. This is what Michelle talked about during week one. It not only devalues and dishonors, but let me tell you something. What it does is it depreciates the relationship. It degrades the relationship. It undermines the relationship. And if anything, what it does is it creates an atmosphere of insecurity in the relationship. Because we're convinced that this person doesn't have a confidence in me. This person doesn't believe in me. In other words, I have to be a certain thing or I have to do a certain thing in order to win their approval or to win their love or to get them to appreciate me rather than truly loving and accepting me for who I am, my flaws, my failures, my imperfections, my warts, all the dirt that I'm guilty of. Here's the thing. One of the things that is vitally important for us to understand, and I encourage you to jot this down. Acceptance always precedes transformation. There's one thing I know to be true, is that you can't change people, I can't change people, you can't change your spouse, you can't change your kids, you can't change your co-workers. The only thing we can do is change ourselves. But let me tell you something, we'll never be able to see transformation in someone else until they are convinced that we love them, that we accept them, that we believe them, that we are for them, that we have confidence in them. You know, one of the things I'm passionate about is the fact that we are, listen, we as a church, we are committed to reach those who have yet to be reached. And we realize that there are going to be people just like some who may be here today, and maybe it's been a while since you've been at church. Maybe when you pulled into the parking lot a few moments ago, maybe you had a little anxiety. Maybe it was a little nerve wracking because you've never been here before. It wasn't 100% clear as to what you were walking into. You're kind of stepping into the unknown and you're thinking to yourself, man, what are these people going to say? What are these people going to do? What's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to my kids? And so we have all these fears and all these things. And maybe you're just kind of here checking it out. You're kind of kicking the spiritual tires, wanting to know, hey, is this legit? Is this real? Man, is, 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 is there anything here that's going to help me? And Listen, I want you to understand before you even believe that you belong. More than anything else, we want you to know that you are loved by God. God longs to have a relationship with you. God believes in you. God has confidence in you and you belong. And because you belong, you belong here. We are for you. You, Listen, we are with you. Why? Because we have confidence in you that you can become all that God created you to be. And so what what what, what we want everybody to understand is that, listen, we've got to love and we've got to accept. We don't have to necessarily agree with everything, but at the end of the day, we can accept one another. Why is that important? Because in Romans 15, verse 7, it says, the Apostle Paul said these words, Accept one another just then as Christ has accepted you in order to bring praise to God. So giving people the confidence that we believe believe in them does what? It brings out the best in them the best way to bring out the best in others is to see the best in others because when we see the best in others what does that do it builds confidence in their lives so one of the things that paul said right out of the gate he said being confident in this so we need to give confidence to one another just like he gave to those people The second thing is this. We not only need to give confidence, but hey, we need to give vision to one another. We need to give vision to the relationship. Here's what Paul said. He said, he who began a good work in you will carry it on. I love that, because what Paul was emphasizing was this. Not only did he believe in, the, believe in them, and not only did he speak confidence into their lives, but he wanted them to understand that, yes, we, we know, I know, Paul said, that, hey, you are a work in progress. But you need to be confident that what God has begun in you, God is going to complete it. What God has started, God is going to finish. Aren't you thankful we're all a work in progress? Aren't you thankful that none of us has arrived? Turn to your neighbor and say, you haven't arrived. Because the truth is, we haven't. We still got a long ways to go. Hey, let me tell you something. Spiritual Success is not a destination, it is a journey, it's a process. There's a Bible word for that, it's called sanctification. That simply means that, listen, once we become believers in Christ, once we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden, overnight, we become this spiritual giant. No, it just simply means that there is a maturation process, there's a growth process, there is a time... In a, in a in a in a growth of maturation that's going to have to take place why because when god sees us he doesn't see us as we are no he sees us as to who we can become because he sees the best in us he believes in us. He has confidence in us, and he's not finished with us. So, therefore, when you see your spouse who falls short of your expectations, when you see your kids who fall short of your expectations, when you're surrounded by coworkers who fall short of your expectations, just simply remind yourself that, hey, just like you, they are a work in progress. Because we all need to experience growth in our lives. What's interesting is that studies show that we become what we believe the most important people in our lives think about us. That's huge. So if we become what the most important people in our lives think about us, well, in our minds, if we question their confidence, their belief, their support, then less we're going to be less likely to live up to what we could be and should be. Why? Because of insecurity. Because of the feeling of not measuring up. Not being good enough. Never doing enough. And as a result, what happens? A lot of people, they throw in the towel and they quit. They no longer grow. They no longer become who they could be or should be, and the reason why is because they're convinced they'll never be good enough. you got to understand that, listen, God is cheering you on, and that's why we need small groups. That's why we need to always be surrounded by brothers and sisters in Christ who, who are cheering us on, who are speaking life and speaking confidence in us, who are reminding us that, hey, we're in this Together, We're all a work in progress. Hey, what God has started in your marriage, God wants to finish in your marriage. Hey, what God has started in your kids, God wants to finish in your kids. Hey, what God has maybe started in your relationship with that co-worker that still has some little ways to go. Okay, what God has started, maybe God wants to use you to help complete in their life. So listen, at the end of the day, we all... Have to understand that we got to speak life and vision. We don't see people for who they are, we see them for who they can become. Third thing that Paul emphasized was this in order to have a successful restart in our relationships, we need not only to give people confidence and vision, but hey, we got to give patience. We have a little four month old puppy. Her name is Bougie, and Bougie um, is a little, she's a little challenged, let me put it that way. Four months old, she's so cute, it's hard to get her in trouble, you know what I'm saying? But the problem is, is that she's also a little diva, and because she's got a little attitude of being a diva, I believe she's maybe got a few demons as well in the process, and we're still working on that. But we have been having a really, really hard time getting her potty trained. So, you know, the drill, you get a puppy and everybody's got their opinion on what you need to do, how you need to do it. and And so... You know, they're basically just like people want to tell you how to raise your kids. Everybody's trying to tell you how to raise your puppy. And so, you know, man, we're YouTubing it and we're Googling it and we're checking it out. And, you know, we go into pet Smart and you walk away feeling pet dumb when you walk out of there. And you got bagfuls of, you know, all this stuff that they convinced you you need. If you do this, your dog's going to be amazing. And so, so we got all the gear and, you know, man, we took all the advice. And four months old, she still hadn't figured it out. In other words, we got these little potty pads I mean, it's not even, like, close. I mean, she hadn't even hit the radar. I mean, she's like, she's off the grid. You know what I'm saying? And so she hasn't connected the dots. And so we have, like, this little screen-in porch, and we have her little potty pad, and she pretty much hits everything but the potty pad. And so I'm like, something's got to give. So I called a friend of mine, goes to our church, and he happens to be a dog trainer. He's also a military guy. I mean, he's like, no nonsense. I said, man, we got to come whip Bougie into shape. We got to get this diva and these demons out of her like quick. I mean, we ain't got time. There ain't nobody got time for this in our house. So he came over, spent two hours with us yesterday. He's doing like a little assessment. And he's basically telling us everything we're doing wrong. But the thing he kept emphasizing was this. She can get better. She can be trained. Well, you got to do exactly what I say. Because when you reward her for the good things that she does, you need to be reminded that what gets rewarded gets repeated. So therefore, you got to be consistent, you got to be persistent, and you got to be patient. I said, I get the persistence and I get the the consistent part. But, look, that patience part was killing me because we need to get her potty trained like now. He said, it doesn't work that way. I said, I know. So this morning, Michelle and I, we were trying to follow the routine that he set up for us. And we've already messed up. I was texting Michelle this morning. She had left, and I was trying to get out the door. I said, I don't have time to do what he said to do. And you know what I began to realize? What I began to realize is this. I've got to do what he said I got to do because she's a four-month-old puppy. She's not connecting the dots. And the reason why she's not connecting the dots is because we haven't, number one, we haven't been doing things correctly. But number two, it's that we're trying to force things to happen when at the end of the day, it's going to take time because she is a work in progress. And we got to see her not for who she is or for where she is, but for ultimately who she can become and where she needs to go. But it's going to take Patience, And you know what's hard? It's hard being patient with other people. You know why? The reason why it's so hard to be patient with other people is simply because... We want people to change, and not only do we want them to change, we want them to change. We want them to change now. We want our spouse to change now. We want our kids to change now. When God is saying, hey, rather than focusing on changing them, why don't you start by changing you? So the habits for our little dog, Bougie, are actually new habits for us. So therefore, what we got to do, rather than focusing on changing her, we got to start by changing our routine. We got to start by changing how we see things. We got to start changing everything. And here's the thing: if we want to see change, we've got to. Number one, what we got to accept? Because why? Listen, transformation always follows acceptance. And what is the enemy of acceptance? comparison what is the enemy of acceptance competition so when we compare and we compete what are we doing we're undermining the acceptance in the relationship when we're digging up all the dirt and we're highlighting the negative and we're becoming critical and we're casting judgment and we're pointing the finger what are we doing We're only prolonging the process. We're creating an an atmosphere of insecurity. And the relationship is being undermined. Why? Because our motivation is to teach somebody. We want them to be changed so that they will become more like us. Here's here's, Here's what we need to remind ourselves with. Jesus said... Why would you focus on the flaw in someone else's life and yet fail to notice the glaring flaws of your own? How could you say to your friend, let me show you where you're wrong when you're guilty of even more? You're being hypocritical and a hypocrite. First, acknowledge your own blind spots and deal with them and then you'll be capable of dealing with the blind spot of your friend so if we're going to see a relationship reach its potential we got to give confidence and we got to give vision into that relationship but it's going to take time it's a work in progress and we're going to have to make some changes but unfortunately the changes sometimes begins with us So, rather than focusing on the speck in your spouse's eye, or in your coworker's eye, or in your kid's eye, or in your friend's eye, rather than focusing on the sawdust in their eye, why don't you take care of the board in your own eye? Let's take care of the plank in our own eye. Rather than saying, hey, You don't ever clean up after your messes. Hey, you always leave the lights on. Hey, don't you know how to park a car? You're always running late. Can I encourage you to do something that's very important? Take the words you never and always... Out of your vocabulary. Because every time you are always or you never, we're guilty of the same thing, aren't we? And so we have to realize that the key to having life-giving relationships is we got to be patient with one another. Paul was able to give patience when it came to the growth and the progress of his brothers and sisters in Christ for one reason. And it was because of the love the Bible says that he had in his heart. He said in verse 7, he said, "It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart." Any time I do a wedding, You know what I do? I always read 1 Corinthians 13. It's considered the love chapter in the Bible. And when I read 1 Corinthians 13, I look into the eyes of the bride and the groom, and it begins with these words Love is what? Say it out loud. Patient. Wow. (laughs) Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Can you imagine what would happen to our relationships if we just came close to even practicing and applying just a couple of those words in our relationships? How different things would be. And what did Paul say? He said, hey, the key to having patience, you ready for this, is love. He said, I can have confidence. And I can speak vision into your life knowing that what God has started, he's going to finish. But also knowing that, hey, it's going to be a work in progress. It's going to take time. Because Paul knew and understood the power of patience. He said, I have you in my heart. So can I just throw this out as we wrap up our time together? If your spouse, if your kids, your co-workers, hey, your friends at school, your neighbors, if we don't have the people who matter to us in our hearts, They will be on our nerves. We'll be easily offended. We're easily going to want to point out the flaws and the imperfections. We're going to take those little jabs at one another. We're going to be impatient with one another. Why? Because we're trying to change other people. We're trying to get other people to conform to how we want them to be. But rather than condemning, God wants us to give compassion. Rather than giving guilt, God wants us to give grace. So the key to bringing out the best and expecting the best with one another is what? It's to give confidence, it's to, mm-hmm. to give vision, it's to give patience. My prayer today is that, again, if you keep doing the same things you've always done, you'll keep getting the same results you've always, what, gotten. So therefore, if you don't like the results you've been getting, maybe you need to change your approach. Maybe you need to restart with some new habits. Because you cannot... Become who you need to be by remaining who you are. We're all a work in progress. Amen? Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Well, thanks again for listening.